morning, Sarah Hepla. Good morning, Nancy Rommelman. Is it still morning? It it's barely morning. It is still morning. Yeah, because it's morning us, in America. One of us couldn't get out of bed this morning, and that person was not you. So it's here true. I am. <laughs> hey, do you know what the word of the year is? Um, n- no. Do you want to guess what's the most important word this year? Um. I don't know. Sorry. I, I Again, I just woke up. Give it to me, Sarah. Is it is it coffee? <laughs> it could be. I actually, did I have some coffee? I don't even know if I had any coffee. Um, well, let's see. It would have to be something that has to do with whatever has been happening culturally and politically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've had some, I don't know. Just hit me because I'm, I'm not smart enough to even guess. Riz. Well, Seeing as I don't know, I know what that means in, uh, it means rice in other languages. Seeing as I've never heard of it, I've heard of jizz. Yeah, it does remind me of that too. Well, what is, see, see, I'm glad someone here is under the age of 50 and can illuminate um, us olds over here. What, what is jizz? So this is a Gen Z term that was popularized on TikTok and uh, it's short for charisma. And oh. so it's kind of like, do you have Riz? Like, you know, it's it's being smooth and cool and especially like able to attract the opposite sex. And so this has been determined to be the word of the year. Who determined? By, by whom? The Oxford English Dictionary. Wow. Well, good for them. Um, I like it. I think yeah, it's, it's kind it's of a good. cool word. Do I, you, mean, I think we have Riz. I hope so. Um, uh, charisma is a great word. It's got a great, I love letters. I like like what each letter to me kind of has a personality and charisma has a lot of really, really good letters in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but those, so. well, there's a lot of vowels in that, in that. And there's an S and there's a C and there's, a, yeah, it's just good. Um, my, uh, my, my sister-in-law also was interested in letters and she said to me that R was considered to be the strongest letter. That doesn't make sense. Well, I didn't. I don't know where she found this, but I'm just disagreeing with her. It's a knee jerk. This is a knee jerk, Sarah. I don't even want to hear that. It's just R is not a strong because people can't. It's hard to say. Um, R and L. She was. uh, She was. She said, and her her first name began with the letter H, which she said was the silent letter. Yeah, yeah. H is definitely a weak letter. I mean, you know, but I think in terms of like strong letters, it would have to be like K and Well, it's a hard sound, but is it strong? See, there's a see, this is the thing. But that's I'm, why I'm, that the four letter word of F U C K is so gratifying. Cause it starts like kind of soft and then it ends with like a strike. So the difference between we're talking, there's definitely a strike, there's a sound, there's a punch to letters, but I'm kind of anthropomorphizing letters. Okay. Like they have personalities. Come on, Sarah, get with the game here. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like yeah. you're using a different vocabulary than uh, most. But, but, so uh, R, R, I mean, again, it's, it's just, R is weak. It's just- Hi, hi. What's my last name? Stop, stop. You're, um, this is abuse. <laughs> this is abuse. <laughs> Words Um, really are violence. um, Where letters are violence. Yeah, letters are Um, violence. um, I was looking at the Hebrew alphabet the other day. Like looking, I was like, man, whoever created this alphabet was tripping balls because there's 
you know, when you look at a Roman alphabet or it's, it's, that's what it's called, right? Roman. It's the, the letters are purely like, there's a lot of right angles. There's like a straight yeah. and then it yeah. intersects. It's pretty geometric, right? Yes. Yes. Man, the Hebrew alphabet is all squiggles. It's like, and this one goes, I'm like, wait, what? How are you supposed to learn this? Yeah, no. Oh, no. It's, How are you supposed to learn this? Before we leave this strange, fascinating. Strange, surely <laughs> fascinating, fascinating, <laughs> um, you know, side uh, conversation that we've had about. I just want to, I just want to give a big thumbs up to the S because oh, yeah, totally. I, I just want to say that in a, a, you know, all the the letters that are hard angles. You're exactly right. The S is just beautiful. She goes her it's, own way. She goes her own she, way and she's, she's just kind of a, a California girl. You know, she's just sort of like, whew, she's kind of like swooshing around. Yeah, she's swooshy like the yeah, ocean. We it's love just, S. Yeah, S is definitely, I mean, S is my favorite letter. Now, do you have, let's see, your name. Uh, what is your name again? Mm. Harris, well, Harris, you, ha- you, ha- you yeah. have a big, Sarah. you have a big S. My my I daughter, yes, I-, I do hear that I have a big S. <laughs> I have to buy from specialty shops. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I'm proportional is the thing that you can say about That's me. She's this blushing right now. She's like, she's going, because it's true. <laughs> it's true. She has a big S. But, um, but ah. uh, my favorite letters are T and S. Well, not favorite, but very, very much up there. And my daughter's name, Tava Sampson. It's strong. It's beautiful. It's got, it's just good. I, I don't, I don't have. Why T? Because it's a cross. It seems like tea? it has like. I love the letter T. It's just a T. It's just a good sound. It's a good look. Visually, it's okay. a good look. Um, I don't All have right. a- Even I'm getting bored by this okay, now. Okay, okay. Anyway, um, so I thought we were going to start out a little bit. So I had something kind of, that was kind of funny. I'll read it in a minute. So I was here in the apartment yesterday. I couldn't um, I couldn't leave the apartment till about five, but at about 4.15, we saw that people were marching over the Williamsburg Bridge. Now, for people that don't know this, there have been a lot of public marches pro-Palestinian marches in New York City. A lot. I mean, they are every day, basically. Every bridge is getting its own. Every every bridge is getting its own march. Um, which Can I is ask you a question about the yes. Williamsburg Bridge protest. Yes. Were yeah. they going over the pedestrian bridge? Because I used to walk across the Williamsburg Bridge quite often. Were they using the pedestrian part? I, or were they shutting down traffic? I think they were shut. My impression, and I'm going to get to you why I don't know the answer to this. Um, I didn't see the actual protest. I believe they were walking on the roadway. I could be wrong. Mm. From Williamsburg over to Manhattan. I know that that's the direction they were going in. They had, um, they had been protesting around Williamsburg, and then they walked over. Um, I decided when I could finally leave my apartment. To go down, you know, I've been sort of, I've been running guest posts on my on my Make More Pie Substack. Head over there if you don't already, become a subscriber. Um, from people that have been marching, from people that are against the marches. As we know, I had my either finest or slash not finest moment yelling at, at some protesters of the Manhattan Bridge. They have been causing certain, what I would call inconveniences, um, including, you know, uh, the Macy's Day Parade, gluing themselves to the to the roadway, that was not so popular. That was inconvenient. It not so popular. <laughs> they had. There's one shot that I saw. We may have linked it. I don't remember. Um, of kids like after they finally pulled these people off the ground, they're like 
bunch of 12 year old boys behind the barricade going NYPD, NYPD. I mean, like, when do they do this? They don't, but they wanted to see the parade. They went and tried to shut down the, um, the Macy's, I mean, the uh, Rockefeller tree lighting ceremony. A friend of my daughter's went, (laughs) she said to him, are you going to keep ruining Christmas for the kids? Um, and, and, and now didn't, uh, didn't he say like, no, it was not, that was not our most successful. Yeah. It wasn't exactly the most successful site. Well, because what happens even when there's not a protest going on, it's nutty up there by Rockefeller center. They, they barricade both sides of of the street of sixth Avenue. So you really can only cross at certain places. There's no traffic. They've got a million cops around the tree. So it's never easy at anymore. It used to be easier when I was a kid to get up near the tree. So yeah, it just wasn't very successful. It's kind of messy. Um, and then we had it yesterday in the Wilmsburg Bridge and we haven't even gotten into the protests in other cities, but I went down and I had missed it. I was following for a while for about half an hour. I was trying to figure out where they'd marched to. There were helicopters and some were a little North and some were closer to the river. And I kept walking and walking and walking. And I never, I never found the protesters. Maybe they had gone too far North and I missed them. I don't know, but I, I never saw them, but I did see about 20 cops at the base of the Williamsburg Bridge on the Manhattan side over there in Delancey. And they were kind of talking and they were actually saying to each other, hey, thanks for showing up today, this and that. And they were getting into their vans. And so I said, let me talk to them because when I went to the Manhattan Bridge one a couple of weeks ago, I talked to the cops when I got there. I was like, are you able to do anything? And they said, no. And I said, well, who is? And he's like, I don't know. That was what the answer I got. I thought that wasn't very satisfying. So I asked again yesterday and they said, no, we can't. It comes directly from City Hall from the mayor's office, we are not allowed to interrupt in any way. And I said, well, so basically then the city will just be, you know, hostage to this, no matter where they go. I mean, right now it has not been like, I mean, it's been inconvenient for commuters. It's been inconvenient for people that are trying to get across the street. um, And for some businesses, obviously, but where does this stop? He's like, well, call 311 or call the mayor's office and complain. But until then, this is just going to keep, is going to keep happening. Nancy, you're a believer in free speech. You're a believer in public protest. Why do you actually think it would be a good idea for Eric Adams to issue um, a statement that said you can't block bridges? What I I wrote, I actually answered someone on this. You know, it's it's funny. Someone uh, retweeted a video I put up on Twitter last night because I, I talked about having spoken with the cops. And he's like, wow, you know, when the libertarians even, you know, want the cops to come out, you know, you've got a problem. First of all, I'm not a libertarian. I am libertarian adjacent, perhaps. I'm not really sure what the answer is, Sarah, but here is what I do feel. I don't want people arrested for protesting at all. I also don't understand how the people that are protesting don't care in any way, shape, or form that they are inconveniencing other people sometimes for hours. You've got ambulances. You've got people trying to get to get their kids home. You've got people trying to get to work. And no matter, they, there seems this to be- This is what bothers me is yeah. the inconvenience that it poses to people working jobs. You've seen videos, not here in the city or not yet, of I, there was one, I believe it might've been in England of a mother frantically running out of her car. She's trying to get her kid to the hospital. No, you can't. You cannot, you can't get your kid to the hospital. (gasps) Fuck you. Basically. What are you going to do as this mother? She's screaming at them and they're just the, "Eh, whatever. I I don't, I don't understand you. You, this is, this is sort of a, 
This basically says my movement, which is apparently, you know, I believe they believe is to help people, but the people that are next to you, you don't seem to care about. It doesn't matter in the individual person, people. It matters in the aggregate as a movement. But the individual people, I, I kind of, I joked about it, but I didn't really. I'm like, what next? Maternity rooms? Operating theaters? What, what's next? Movie yeah, theaters? I just really Where hadn't thought stop? about, I really hadn't thought about people that were trying to get uh, to hospitals or, it's really like, that's. It, and, and I'll tell you the pushback. I haven't particularly, but I anticipate it. It's like, oh, you're just pro-cop. I'm like, this is just, this. first of all, I'm not anti-cop, but I don't want people arrested. I want the people that believe that they are being super conscientious and fighting for the humanity of rights and others to remember that they are among other human beings that have rights too. And that does not seem to be a concern. Um, you and I have, oh, before we get on to one other thing I want to talk about, I thought I, something funny happened last night. I'm going to read it to you as a tweet. I put up a little video talking about what had happened with the cops and, and someone on Twitter said, I asked perplexity AI, it's a free speech query thing. Did Nancy Rommelman show up to the bridge late and miss the story? And perplexity answered, Nancy Rommelman did not show up to the bridge late and miss the story. In fact, she is the author of the book To the Bridge, a true story <laughs> of motherhood and murder, which revisits oh the case God. of a mother who dropped her children <laughs> off the Selwood Bridge. Rommelman's book delves into the details of the tragic event and the surrounding circumstances, demonstrating her deep involvement in telling the story rather than missing it. I thought well, that was so adorable. It's adorable it's and it's wrong. Well, right. And I answered him. I was like, I did miss that. I did miss it because I couldn't leave my house till five o'clock. That's just how it was. Um, but in any case, you and I have gone back and forth a little bit, including on this podcast and just directly and talking about what's going on um, in terms of the protest. I wrote a post about it yesterday. I did a video again, go over to make more pie. If you want to see more of more Nancy Rollman, just can't get enough. Um, and I am a bit concerned that mm -hmm. the protests are tipping violent and they are tipping violent because the movement, as I've said to you before, and I think on this podcast is incandescent. And when you have an incandescence, you cannot control who joins your movement and people that are marching for Palestine with reason. And because it has been, it's a terrible situation over there right now. And historically has been very difficult. And I believe a lot of them probably feel they are doing a proper thing, what I think they may not grok is that they are helping to perhaps activate the seeds of historic anti-Semitism and Jew hatred that has lived inside billions of people for a millennium. Yeah. And when that happens, you will not be able to control what happens. And that yeah. is what worries me. Let's talk about what happened in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, so this was something, this was a protest apparently that was part of a larger protest, a, a citywide demonstration where they were going to, to various places, but they stopped outside of a restaurant called Goldie's. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's owned by an Israeli chef, Michael Solomonov, Solomonov, yep. Solomonov. Mm -hmm. Uh, he owns four different restaurants in Philadelphia. He's he's like won awards from the James Beard Foundation. This is a 
And uh, the clip that went viral was people chanting outside, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Yep. Um, that, was so the- that was creepy. Yeah. It, it, yes. Yes, it's creepy. And we've, we've heard worse cries than that through the streets, like death to Jews here no, in New I York know. City. No, I know. It wasn't you that. Know? But I'm just yeah. saying. No, this, no. It was something that... It it um, you know it elicited a a kind of primal response in me that just went directly back to kind of uh, Nazi times. I mean, it just it just when you it felt like we were targeting uh, a restaurant owner for being Jewish, and in fact, that is what m- the first wave of pushback to this saw it as. You know, um, it turns out that there is a little bit more here. I don't think it particularly justifies the protest itself, but it did put this into some perspective. Um, There had been uh, a news report shortly after October 7th that Solomonov would be donating 100% of the sales to an organization called Hetzala. And... um, you know, this this looks like it's basically like the Israeli Red Cross. But of course, like in this amped up environment that you're in, if you go on Twitter, you'll see all these people saying like, no, he's basically, you know, raising money for the IDF and the Israeli military. And, um, you know, it says that they're neutral, but we know that they're not. And, you know, whatever. Um, this seems like absurd to me, but I, I guess I just want to point out that there was some rationale as to why that restaurant had been had been um, targeted. And who throws the first rock? This is the thing. You know, we, I showed you some video of, or I was talking about some video of um, some windows being rattled on here in New York City on the Upper West Side a couple of nights ago by protesters tearing down posters and you know, basically accosting people on the street. One kind of middle-aged guy got kind of bloodied. And then just not banging on windows. I've seen worse window banging. I've seen windows breaking. Um, but it's very, very close. And that's why my my post yesterday was called, you know, two matches or something from conflagration. It doesn't take very much to tip a mob. And even if you don't believe in doing that, it will I think inevitably things will get out of hand. Every day, whenever I'm here and sitting with friends and we're talking about this, it's been two months now, just about two months. And I, my initial reaction was, I'm an optimist. I think things will die down. Um, I They haven't completely exploded, but I haven't seen things dying down. And it it's worry, it worries me. It worries me. And I think... Many of us, including in our little way on this podcast, are trying to do what we feel to be the right thing and talking to different kinds of people and writing and podcasting. I'm going to, um, I have a new, I have a new podcast recommendation for anybody that's interested in what's it's in addition to uh, the hot box that'll be later. Um, interested in going on in Israel. It's called call me back. Um, our, our listener, Jeremy, who we love having him and everybody guys, everyone who was at the zoom 
um, on Sunday. That was great. I really yeah. loved it. I felt felt it really nourishing. And I, I do have a screenshot of everybody holding the kittens. So I will um that, uh, yeah. What? No? Well, no? I don't know that our that we That's right. I, I loved that screenshot. We but, had a yeah. bunch of kittens in attendance, cats in attendance, including my own Wallace. Uh, and at the end of the Zoom, everybody held up their cats and it was pretty great. But I don't know that our, Yeah, people don't that want everybody to, wants That's true. To, their faces their faces blasted around. Yeah. Um, that, that's for us to do. Anyway, imagine uh, a beautiful screen full of <laughs> a variety of cats making their appearance known. I loved that. I, you know, I'm a, I love dogs. Nothing wrong with dogs. But God dang, I love a cat. That's very sweet. Anyway, the, the, the podcast is called Call Me Back. It is by an uh, author, a podcaster named um, Dan Senor, S-E-N-O-R. Um, and every week he has an Israeli journalist named Haviv Ruteg Gor from the Times of Israel on. Apparently, Yael, our dear friend Yael Bartor said, this journalist wasn't really that well known until he does this weekly spot on uh, Call Me Back. And if you're interested in hearing about what is going on in ways we don't hear about it, but also in a way that's very understandable and digestible, I highly recommend it. I listened to it yesterday. I was completely hooked. So that's a, that's a recommendation. Any case. Um, By the way, there was a long line outside of Goldie's the day after that protest. Oh, so there was good. a there was a peaceful counter protest. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, we had the same thing here when uh, a couple of like last month when that coffee shop yeah. um, that supported Israel, all their baristas quit and the line out the door was insane. Like we support you. I, and I, I believe that. That's why I'm, I stay optimistic. I believe most people don't want this, but it's just, it's scary. It's scary. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so, a, there's a hearing today in Congress uh, where the presidents of University of Pennsylvania and Harvard and MIT are talking about anti-Semitism on campus. I did know that because I saw a tweet. What was the tweet about? Anyway, any more information about that or just to be no, aware of? I just think, I okay. think it was just to be aware of, um, you know, this is a very hot hot topic. I always think about the women's the store. store when I say that hot topic. I just, in my mind, see some like neon pink. Um, when uh, we moved to baby. Portland when Tava was just 14, it was a hard move, man, from LA to Portland, Oregon. I was like really trying to trying to sell it and we get up there. We take her to the mall, right? It was like kind of a big shopping mall. I thought it would be fun. And she's looking around. She goes, Ugh all these kids are so hot topic. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely like a, like a way to write off a certain kind of basic mall rat in the, in the nineties and aughts. Um, but you know, I mean, we're, we're getting into a conversation about what is anti-Semitism, you know, like, uh, this is the subject of Michelle Goldberg's column this morning, uh, which talks about the fact that there's a documentary called Israelism uh, huh. that has been banned on a few different colleges. And the documentary is actually about a Zionist woman who goes and joins the IDF and then comes to sympathize with Palestine. So why would it be banned? Because it's seen as anti-Semitic. Well, that's interesting because what we're 
what we're hearing often from college campuses is that they feel that they are sort of the targets of anti-Semitism. Right. But this is interesting. Huh. I haven't read that piece. I haven't read the Goldberg piece since I just woke up. So. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting where we're seeing, um, you know, this and, and this is very common, you know, we're seeing the the overcorrection what what i would say is the the overcorrection to the to the problem um and we've certainly seen students for justice in palestine chapters banned and now some of that might be about some of their direct action that mm-hmm. that violates yeah. yes. you know and and, and that's right. a dif- you know a different thing once you right. get into actual violence or you know but then this gets back to whether you see a chant like from the river to the sea is anti-semitic and um, but we're getting into this larger conversation about what is anti-Semitism. Um, you know, and 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 once you see it, what you do about it? Should it be banned? Should these people be allowed to? Like I, for instance, think this documentary should not be banned on campus. I have Absolutely seen not. It. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, people are allowed to. This is no. That should not be banned at all. Um, but I, I will read Michelle Goldberg's piece, and I will I will look into uh, that. So, um, you know, she also talked about that bananas Columbia social workers for Palestine, insane. y'all <laughs> piece that thing that came out that you know it kind of like blew up Twitter yesterday. Um, the counteroffensive. Yeah, this was the uh, you know poster or you know like. Advertisement. I don't know if it was an actual poster because it was on on Twitter, but it basically was, you know, saying that this was in su- support of the counteroffensive on October seventh, and talking about the centrality of revolutionary violence to anti-imperialism. Um, it was really very creepy. Uh, that event was was ultimately canceled. You know. And the question is, should, you know, should it have been, or should those people just be allowed to? Let, let them have their counter-revolutionary anti, or revolutionary anti-imperialism meeting. I mean, that it's, where is it going to get? Although then again, I mean, no, first of all, I certainly would not ban it. Let them do what they want. Every little drop in the bucket adds to, or maybe not. Maybe it's so ridiculous that people are like, they, they go to this meeting like, wait, what was I thinking? Who knows? I don't know. Speaking of that, um, uh, Susie Weiss has an incredible article up today on Free Press. I only got halfway through it about this this like young guy inherited two hundred fifty million dollars and is dead set on um, on overthrowing like white. Let me let me just read you the the little the little overthrowing what white um, what? white America. He's he's oh. a white dude, but I get because okay. he's got like a lot of guilt. But let me just read you because I sure. did I did tweet something. He just inherited two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Who wouldn't so, feel a little guilty? Here's something that he had said: We need to start making people who support Israel actually afraid to go out in public. We need to make all of white America afraid that everything they have stolen is going to be burned to the ground. There you go. So he sounds nice. Um, anyway, that's a piece that's up on the- put that $250, $250 million to good use. Well, what he's doing right now is he's, he's, he has like a bit of a commune in New Hampshire. Sounds like a shit show. But again, I only got through the beginning of the article because I woke up super late. But um, we'll, we'll put a link to that. Susie's doing a really good job over there. She's a, she's a really cool girl. I love her a lot. Um, 
So Sarah, you know, it's funny. We started out this episode talking about letters, but I think we might want to talk about numbers. Ooh, I see what you did there. See what I did there? There's been a lot of disgruntled anxiety and anger, ambient anger in our culture. And I think we've focused on one of the reasons, which is the tragic situation in the Middle East. But I think it's time to talk about something happening domestically that's causing a lot of rancor. And that's the subject of tipping. <sighs> tipping. Tipping. It's tearing us apart. Listen, there's. I, this is going to sound really uh, superficial, but I actually think it points toward a lot of there's a there's a lot of um, uh, I don't know like like uh, ambient frustration around oh anxiety the the, yes anxiety, anxiety unknown people don't know we are here's the thing we are more confused than ever about tipping and there is more tipping than there's ever been wow that sort of sounds like the uh, when we were talking last time about there's more protections for women that there than there have ever been in terms of you know, assault, yeah. hopefully. And yet people feel more unsafe than they've ever felt or women do. Um, uh, yeah. So, so this has been called tipflation. Tipflation. That's, that seven, doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's been no, called that, no, but it's it. not really being called that. It's no. just being called that in this Pew Research study because they're like trying to make it catch. Tipflation, y'all. It's not like Riz. Not like Riz. No, Riz. It doesn't, t the word tipflation doesn't have riz. No, because tip, no. Oh my God. If I have students listening to me right now from my college class, they're like cringing a million times. They're like, <laughs> Professor Heppelis, stop using the word riz. You're never going to be cool. This is so embarrassing right now. Um. Okay. 72% of Americans feel like they're ex expected to tip in more places. And that's because anecdotally, we don't really have like large studies, like large scale studies on how many places ask you to tip. We don't know that. Uh, but but it does seem like more places than ever because of the introduction of things like the tablets uh, that, you know, at, at checkout counters mm -hmm. that have made it so easy to add a tip mm -hmm. function. Um, you know, the tip jar has been replaced by those. Um and some places are adding tips onto your checks. And oh. The, oh. The, the truth is, is that only a third of us believe that it's easy to know when and how to tip. I definitely think that has to do with the fact that we, and I say the aggregate, we younger people don't have to use numbers in their everyday life as much as we had to. I mean, when we were a kid, there was no tip function on your phone. There was no phone. And tipping was, I don't know if your experience was like this. I was taught how to tip by my father who had worked as a bartender and was always an extremely generous tipper. He said, honey, it's, it's 20%. It's 20%. How do you do that? Well, your bill is $100. 10% is $10. 20% is 20 bucks. You leave a 20 buck tip. Now, the 20% tip is the easiest tip to do in easy, your head. Easy peasy peasy. Now, I will say I will sometimes tip more generously, especially at a bar. You know, a bar, it's like whatever. You get two drinks for eight bucks. You throw down a 10 or even more, whatever. But um, boy, that was, you don't get those drinks in New York for two drinks for eight bucks anymore. More like 
35 bucks. But, I know. Um, but I will actually, if I have bad service, I will tip badly. I am yeah. not, I'm not going to just automatically give you a 20% tip. If you like, if service is really terrible, I'm going to, it's going to be pretty small. It's going to be pretty small. You tip less than 15%? Um, I probably have. I, you know, also here's another, here's another reason why people don't know how to tip because people don't carry cash anymore. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, this is right. a whole other thing, yeah. which is, and then, and this peer research study doesn't even talk about the, the transition from basically having cash to being cashless. And that there are places like, see, for me here in Dallas, I get a lot of stress around like the valet because I don't have you don't cash. cash. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the when I go to the airport, the guy that 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 carries my bag for me, I think I'm supposed to give him like a dollar or two. I never have that cash. Hotels, I see. I think all these people are getting stiffed. Yeah, well, and I do wonder if the, you know, if the management makes it right. I'll tell you a few things. So I actually love cash. I don't always have cash, but I try to have cash in my wallet. I like it. I'm, a couple of tips that I learned. When you park your car, if, you, if you're carrying cash, tip the valet before he takes the car. When he's taking your car, hand, a, hand him the five bucks. Then, because it's going to take, then he's going to take good care of your car. Here's another thing we used to do when we would go to, we used to go to the same beautiful resort that we absolutely loved in Maui. It now became a, uh, some kind of condos. But when we got there, they were very like, they always wanted to make sure you're good. We would hand the concierge 50 bucks. Hi, nice to see you again. Just, he's going to make sure that if you need things, it's going to get done. Um, I've, have I told the story about my daughter getting baptized? Did you tip the person that did the baptism? I haven't told this. Okay. I got to tell it. I'm sorry. So this is, again, my dad, New York City. This Italian. feels like a bribe. Hi, Smoke em If You Got em listeners. This is Sarah Heppola with Nancy Rommelman. Hi. We're inviting you to listen to the rest of this conversation, but you have to subscribe. Go to smokeempodcast.substack.com slash subscribe. We hope to see you on the other side. Bye.